0: Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah! You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss
1: relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more.
0: It's Post Christian Pastors back at you. Hello, everybody. How you doing as you uh, driving your car or you're taking a jog or... And a train on a plane. And then uh, yeah, trains, planes, and automobiles. Didn't we do that before? Yeah, I think so. We did. Well, we love repetition. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are just four pastors who get together and we discuss all kinds of issues and laugh a little bit and poke fun at each other and have a great time. But we talk about politics, we talk about religion, we talk about faith, we talk about relationships, food comic books you name it we Mm -hmm. try to talk about it it's fun it's good time it's post-christian pastors we're glad you're here thanks for joining us hey guys how are you good how you doing hey mark how you doing how How you doing john
2: i'm doing well doing real well john's
0: Mm -hmm. doing well yeah let's uh still
2: recovering from lack of sleep but
0: i'm all right i'm waking up i'm going yep yep same Mike. that was mike same doing well and that's marv so this week we have uh a great topic
1: it's gonna be a little saucy Probably <laughs> I think it is uh, you should, It reminds we me of a song I used to know <laughs> Red and yellow, black and white They are precious in his sight Jesus loves the little children
0: Of the world Of the world This is, this is Mike's church basement experience Right? <laughs> What did you grow up, get, Mike? What did you grow up? What, wrote that song? what? What denomination church did multiple, you grow up in? Multiple, multiple You were a church multiple. mutt. The yeah, mutt, a total. Did mutt. you have a church
1: basement experience? Oh, like
0: a musty, we did a smelly nineteen eighty
1: church plant in a mm. credit union <laughs> basement. Yes, <laughs> wow. that was part of the journey. Roman Catholic Church, United Methodist Church, non denominational megachurches.
3: From there, mm. back wow. to the UMC. My Sunday school was in the basement with someone named Grandma Teeters. (laughs) (laughs) That was her name. I'm serious. Sadly <laughs> Everyone <And> then, <laughs> has had a grandma tears <laughs> and oh, like, oh my god <laughs> I'm serious Wow <laughs> And her one wish oh, oh Her one hurt. dying wish oh, Was hurts. that that the uh, New King J- or No, rather the King James Version Bible Would be buried in her grave with her <laughs> That was her one That was her wish. one wow. dying wish Like Legitimately, that's all wow. she cared about That's a commitment to the word of God right there guys. Yep, yep <laughs> the speaking,
0: the of that, speaking of that Speaking of that I, I went uh, I went this week And I helped um, I helped Mike move His church is moving from one building to the other, yes. and Mike had all these old Bibles. Okay, and he made me throw them away. He made what? me throw them away. What do you do with uh. old
1: nineteen seventies contemporary Bibles? Like you, like the news. Mike Bible? made me throw.
0: And then they had two crosses left over from some kind of you production or something. Crosses. Like I had to throw
1: away the cross. <laughs> so man, and then we found heresy. a cornhole game that was entitled "Winning with Jesus." <laughs> Did you paint over it? If we <laughs> find that picture, we need to put <laughs> it up on post-Christian passes. <laughs> I find it. That's a
0: great little little. We took a picture of it. You took a picture with, of it, yes. didn't you? Uh, winning with Jesus. It was a, kind of beautiful.
3: stuff you
1: find in a church attic. It was like a beanbag toss. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's what
3: cornhole is. Yes, yeah. it's a well, beanbag toss. I know toss. that, but it wasn't cornhole. You didn't know that. No, it, it was, stood
1: up straight. It, wasn't it was before a cornhole. cornhole. Oh, okay. Before oh,
0: okay. cornhole. Okay, all right. And that would be a good segment of things you find in the church. I mean, church attic stuff. We were laughing. We're like, look at this. Oh wow, that's funny yes handbell choir stuff right well i wish (laughs) the topic was that easy this week (laughs) it would be so nice but um we are going to dive like there's no other way to say this we're just going to kind of dive into a a very uh controversial hot topic in our culture right now um it it has been a it, uh, let's say the the summer of 2016 was a long hot summer when it came to this yep. this topic and it bled over into the fall and and um and uh so our, our title of our, our message our title of our episode today is what lives matter and by that title you can probably figure out that we're going to talk about race issues in america and sure. racial relationships in america and um let's be really clear if you don't know this already uh we are four white guys we are four white pastors in western pennsylvania which tends to be a very racially segregated area and it is a very white area most of it not where i live not where you live that's true but but most of it is where john and i and mike live it's uh probably 99 point you know, ninety nine percent. Would you say maybe white, maybe some Asian people not, added. Not in. as much where I live, but no, yeah, not that much. No, yeah, yeah, I think it's becoming more and more
1: uh, international, mm-hmm. interracial.
0: Yeah, a sure. little bit of diversity, but but uh, I was just watching the show. Um Uh, This Is Us Did you guys Have you guys seen that show It's a great show It's a great show And the couple The couple have a racially They adopted a a, a black child Into a white family But they live in Pittsburgh They actually live in Bethel Park They actually mention it And say he The one guy says I grew up in the whitest place in America Which was Bethel Bethel Park And um I'm not sure if that's true, but it might be close. And uh, so this is a, a we 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 all work and live in a and and not a very racially diverse area. Marv probably the most yeah. uh, racially diverse church. Um, yeah. But um, so we're not coming at this as a superiority thing, like we've got this all figured out, or or um, you know, we have all the answers to this, or we know all the situations because we don't. Sure. And we're going to learn from some great guests today. We have uh, Fred Lynch coming on and todd allen and we'll tell you more about them in a little bit but guys let's start this conversation out and um well let me ask you where do you want to start where, where do you want to start with this uh would it be the best place to start to to uh ask the question why, why do you think the the racial tensions in our culture seem to be ramped up again at this time
3: well, I mean we're we're just coming off of the election cycle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was just an atrocity of <laughs> of an election cycle I think probably the worst that I could ever remember although I'm very young compared to you old heads over here um <laughs> but I think I think it stirred up a lot of that uh, y- you know you saw a lot of people uh waving Confederate flags saying white people for Trump and you know all these different racial things that that stirred up I mean honestly in the black community stirred up a lot of pain I mean it was it was kind of like things had never changed uh w- during the civil rights movement as that didn't even it happened it, it almost felt like there was a progression backwards you know I live in the black community on the north side of pittsburgh and I have lots of of close friends that are in that community and and I asked this question said you know what what has caused this ramping up of of this pain and 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 also one of their things was that they said was was media coverage of of some of the stuff that was happening stuff that that we that was happening in our culture but wasn't being as as um Not promoted, but not as not as displayed. You know, now we have video cameras on our cell phones and so we can see the injustice of cops killing black men. Uh we can see these atrocities uh right from from the source rather than waiting for some other media source to spin it and show it to us. We can actually see the raw footage. And so there's there's this sense of outcry like, see this is happening. We've been saying this for a long time. This is our pain and this is this is the reality, and everyone has ignored us now now it's in the light and then there's the the other side of people that were pro Trump saying yeah we we want it back to the way it was make america great again but for for the for the black community saying make america great again is a lie it's a farce going back to what it used to be would them would be the black community back to uh, as way back slavery and then not too long ago segregated and a little bit before that they had no vote so I do you think mean, that was really, you it's you really interesting that's what that though, meant though? What, I, I never I never again? really
1: thought about that from the point viewpoint of an African American yeah. who um we had an African American president and here is a white outspoken individual saying let's make America great again. Yeah. I never really thought and from my standpoint viewpoint I never even thought about race in that statement. Mm. Right. But I could see I how a minority group asking the question. I could really see how a minority group could see that and how they could feel that um in that statement for you sure. Yeah say, see I you always felt who, like
2: who, Great for who right Yeah, yeah. Exactly I mean, that, could, that could be the In the back yeah, of their I, mind I, Or even the front of their mind It's like,
1: an interesting thought though And imagine it could hit a nerve I guess as a,
0: a white person I saw that as an Economic statement And as kind of a
3: our place in the world statement that's how i saw it but again and i that, that's oh, where, i get that that's where white it. privilege comes in because right. you don't even have to think through that because it for for the white person it. back in the day there was there, there was it was great in some aspects like the 1950s where we were high in industri- industrial lives that's what i want to be in had, high school you know what i mean it was so so we we don't even have to if we don't Marty if McFly. we choose not to we don't even have to think in that i think that the other issue
1: phase. too though is there has been some injusti- injustices in the news there has been as marva referenced uh, a couple young individuals young men african-american men that were actually uh, either killed shot or we don't know exactly what's happened even to this date what happened in some of those situations right Uh, but that's uh, obviously caused a tremendous amount of tension in the african-american community and has surfaced a lot of pain because of that injustice that is something that i know in my day-to-day life i'm not aware of i have seen it I've been around it uh, for a period of my ministry. I worked with uh, individuals in the city. I stood on a st- street corner one time and saw a police officer pull up, immediately ask for everyone's ID. And that's never happened to me as a white man standing on the corner. Right, Where I'm standing on the corner, and I have uh, immediately been someone that the cop was interested in enough that they demanded me to stop and to look at my IDs. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at my African-American Football players. I was working with a football team at that time, a Division One football program, and I said this happened all the time, and they were like all the time, Pastor Mm -hmm. Mike, and they were like mad that I was unaware of it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this happens all the time. You need to know that this happens to us every every day, every week. I'm like, it sucked. I felt. I felt violated against in that moment that my rights weren't hurt. I literally was trying to tell the police officer, hey, these, we did, we're walking back from a Bible study. Hey, I'm a pastor. I'm pastor of this church right over here. We're walking back from Bible studies. They're football players. And he just disregarded me mm. and just said, let me see all your IDs. And right, I was like, wow. there was something there that was not right. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, again, that's
0: obviously, I, and I've I have black friends who have had that same conversation with me about things that have happened to them. And I don't think I think it would be very hard to to discount that for sure. But there's also a visceral response to by many white people when they hear the word r- white privilege right they hear people say well that's a white privilege you don't get it because you're right. white privilege and so there there are white people who totally shut down and say sure. i don't want to hear that we live in america look we have a black president we have uh we have black you have leaders you have opportunity the same as i had opportunity um this is land of the free home of the brave you know like we got rid of all that whenever you know civil rights came in and all that stuff mm-hmm. and I'm. I'm just saying that's yeah. right. that's the response, well, and right. and you know you can't discount all of right. that. You you. That's what the tension is. That's, that's where the rub is. There's if a you personal rub. responsibility to our own lives as well. Right, right. and and we're going to talk about that with right. with Fred and with with Todd, but but I think that's where there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension mm-hmm. between. Am I personal responsible for all my actions? How has the system either benefited me or hurt me? The economic system, political system, educational system—all those systems—how have they hurt Black Americans or or White Americans, whoever, Asian, Mexican, whatever? I-, I think that's a really good discussion.
2: I think I, a great illustration that might be helpful here, in terms of helping us kind of understand like the the issues that we're talking about. Is, and I think, it's, I think it's Emerson and Smith in their book Divided by Faith that, talk, that use this illustration. They say, pretend you're playing in a basketball game, right? And the, you have two teams. And the one team has been playing by one set of rules for three quarters, and the other team has been playing by another set of rules, right? And the one team that's playing by one set of rules are clearly getting preferential treatment for, in, in cer- cer- certain ways in cer- terms of how the game's played, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to the end of the third quarter, and somebody kind of walks on the court, you know, kind of from outside the situation. Goes, "Hey, everybody, this is not fair. This, we're, you're not playing by the same set of rules. This is this is this isn't working. We're gonna we're going make everything fair now. But you're not resetting the score. So the one team still is is winning. You know, maybe eighty-five to fifteen. Mm-hmm. Right. And now you expect from the that score, from right. that point on to, for everything to be fair. Well. You've already you've already played three quarters with unfair rules, but you haven't reset the um, reset the score, right? right? Well and,
3: and, and to your point about people getting upset about the idea of white privilege, you know, I I have to say to to the frustration of many that, that maybe you're not looking. Um, and, and there are some of these differences and these, these realities that you mentioned, Mark. But I, I think too that we become so insulated into our own places. Like you had mentioned in, in this area that we are recording, it's, it's very white. And so if you live in a very white society and you go to a store with all other white people, yeah, you're not going to notice that black people are, are, are looked at differently when they walk into a store than you are. However, we, we need to purposely be aware of of the plight of those that live in our country, in our state, in our cities, and and really think through the process of, is it really equal opportunities for getting a job? Is it really equal opportunities for uh not being pulled over, I mean there there was a white cop in the city I can't remember which city, but he he blogged about this either on Facebook or on a personal blog where he pulled over a black young man who was bawling his eyes out with his hands up in the air, saying, "Please don't shoot and the cop was heartbroken, realizing that the culture has done this to this young black man and he felt so terrible that this was this was where we are at and and he realized that if he was pulling over a white guy there'd be no way in in any realm of our united states of america that a white guy would raise his hands and start bawling his eyes out and say don't shoot me and and that in and of itself is an image and a picture of white uh white privilege that Mm -hmm. we just we choose to yeah, we choose to ignore those. Well, I well, think
2: one of the issues that we have when the word white privilege comes up is that we tend to tend to equate white privilege with some level of of racism, and nobody wants to be labeled a racist, right? right. So when you hear that term, it's like, oh, I'm not a racist. One of the things that um, Emerson Smith talked about in "Divided by Faith," which I think is an important. Um, concept is that they would say that we don't live in a race in a racist society they would say that we live in a racialized society Mm -hmm. and that our society the way that has been structured has been structured in such a way that we have we live in this kind of environment that's been racialized and we don't realize the way that it's been racialized right? right we don't we don't realize those things um and so we don't understand some of the experience of others who have not received the same type of um, sure. under, experience mm-hmm. and understanding. And so I think I, I really think that that's that's kind of a helpful way to begin to think about it to help people kind of open their eyes and say we live in a racialized society. Like our our American society has been um, built in a mm-hmm. racialized way, whether yeah. we want to yes. admit it or not. It has been. And we're only, as I mentioned before, we're only 50 years past civil rights, right? We're less than that past redlining laws. We're less than that past that than school integration. I mean, we are within... And that's just
0: officially.
2: Right. Like yeah, officially, right. but <laughs> exactly. it's not like right. they ended right. when exactly. it became right. Right. There was hearts right. and minds right. changed <laughs> right. immediately. Right. Exactly. And so we're still... You know, right. it, we're still within a generation of of all of that, yeah. and so to now, expect to not have any holdover from that is just you know I think it's um, a, it's can, a can, false
0: belief. Yeah. Can I tell you guys? Here's here's some of my problems with this conversation, though. This is what scares me about this conversation is it's almost like it feels like you can't have this conversation and you can't be truthful about everything. Like all the bad stuff on whether you're white or you're black, like you can't just po- point this thing out and go, this this is not good because somebody on the other side or that side will take it and racialize it into where you're just pointing out, well, this is a moral problem or this is a this is a this is something that's wrong in whether it's white, black, Asian, Mexican, whatever, mm-hmm. and it gets it gets. Racialized into Well you're a bigot Or you're You are hateful Or you just don't get it Right When there are And it seems like nobody can listen to each other anymore So So the point is If I'm white I have nothing to say to the black community and if I'm black, I have really nothing to say to the white community right. because it, I don't get it or I don't know something. Or or you can always find an ex- exception to that. or And that's right. really, really frustrating because, uh, you know, as a pastor, I want to be able to listen to people but i also want to be able to speak with grace and truth right. into situations where i don't get dismissed just because i'm not black or but i'm not asian a or couple i'm not of mexican on that. so yeah. that's my frustration yeah, i'm and, just saying
3: and let me help you i mean yeah. that, that's where you know i i talk about leveraging our white privilege okay first off uh, uh, because we can speak to our demographic better we have to be honest with our problem like if a black person comes up to you and says hey you have white privilege you're going to be ticked off you're gonna be like, really? You don't even know me, right? <laughs> but but the reality is is that as as white people, we need to call white people out. And the same thing, you know, I know I know Mike's gonna talk about personal responsibility. Right. The same thing will happen in the in the in the African American community where there are these issues that they definitely recognize. I mean, I hate saying the word they. My brothers and sisters recognize some of these issues that only black people can speak to black people about them. And because if they if we but come why? at them. But, The same reason why you'd be offended if a black person said you have white privilege. Well, even, I, mean, I somewhat think, but, but, I can listen, but I can sit and listen to a black preacher Get in
0: my face about my life And what I'm doing in my life exactly, And the but, responsibility
3: of my life And the responsibility how, it's all, before
0: Jesus It's how
3: and, you couch and, it Like if you say the black community Needs right. to take personal responsibility like No, that, I'm not saying that but, I'm just saying that I've had,
0: black, I've had black pastors Metaphorically kick me in the gut Kick me in the face And I'm like, thank you, sir
3: Right, and, and <laughs> I'm not saying like, That they're pastors thank You can't for do that. that I appreciate here's, that Here's the thing as, as, a, as a white person, because of all of the pain that the black community has gone through in our country, Understand. we have got to earn the right to be heard. Okay. Too often, many white pastors or white folks try to go into the black community, and they have not earned the right to be heard, because they're not trying to live uh, a, a life that, that says, I want to I I be... I would say the
1: African-American to earn the right to be heard to be able to speak to me about white privilege as well.
3: And, and, and I agree and with I, that. This Most is the definitely. Right.
1: And this is a, a tension both ways, and relationships have to be formed across these lines we're we're human beings Mm -hmm. every one of us are human beings first and foremost whether you're black or white or uh, native american whatever your ethnic background is you're a human being we should be able to have conversations on that platform as fellow humans
3: right but you know that the baggage of our past pain always affects the way in which we interpret the conversations we have now I mean, so if if I'm going to have a conversation with you about parenting, and you had a crappy mom or a crappy dad, and I start talking to you about how you need to be a dad or so, that past pain is going to affect the way you interact my with issue, that. Right, right. and that's, that's, my issue. that's my point, is that we don't recognize when we're talking to the, the, the minority community that the baggage but, of their past pain is in being interpreted into that conversation. But can't we
0: talk to the standard, though? And for all of us, I don't care if you're white, black, whatever, can't we talk to the ideal and say, this is what Jesus has laid down for us as the ideal. This is what the word of God lays down for us as an ideal. I don't give a rip what color you are. I don't care. I don't care. But this is what we should all be shooting for and be able to humbly speak into each other. Towards that standard,
1: yes. towards that, and there's a correct way. That. And there's a correct way to have this conversation, right? right. Certainly, in the Black Lives Matter mov- movement, looting stores, uh, using racial. Uh, the racial platform, or even just tension that exists because of years of being oppressed, going in and breaking the law is not acceptable. That's not an acceptable response to that. Well, that's the right, standard. But, but that that's
0: is the standard for all of us. Breaking the law is for all human beings, not, no matter who you well, are. Well, in America, let's right. say We're only speaking right. This and, and,
3: and that's that's one example of something that went wrong with the Black Lives Movement, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. That's not something that they. Uh, purport is something That's important for them to We've do well
1: I mean For example When I was in college I was a freshman in college And uh, a friend of mine who's, He was a really good friend But he's African American He crossed the hallway We played basketball together He was not starting He was upset about his position on the, fo- on the basketball team At that particular time He did not feel comfortable At the university That I was part of It was a largely white University, as far as race mm-hmm. is concerned, and there was a lot of things going on, and we had little conversations about this, but i didn 't understand the extent that he was not comfortable at this university. He and I argued over a college basketball game that was on TV, and he got so upset that uh, he called his mother and used the race card, and maybe it was something he was feeling inside and said these guys are you know racially uh you know being a bigot to me and saying me things and she pulled him home another african american professor at the university caught on to this he was called as well he said in his classroom these two white guys beat up a black guy in the dorm He had a groan and he said if it were up to me there'd be two dead white boys in that dorm today and so i was like wow um this has kind of gotten out of control went over Got an appointment with him that afternoon, talked with him, explained the situation. And he listened, was able to back down, said, you know, when I was a young man, people burned crosses in my front yard. Mm. I remember that. And I was like, man, that is horrible. That makes me so viscerally angry. Mm. But that's not what happened last night in the dorm. Right? We were arguing right. about an Ohio State-Michigan basketball game that had right. nothing to do with race. Mm. And that guy is my friend. And he's obviously upset about, multiple things, doesn't feel comfortable being at this particular university, but it shot out as a racial issue. Mm. Um, Sometimes we see loaded, loaded responses that are masked under the issue of race that have very little to do with race. John,
0: John, you talked, you, you, you contributed to a book called Heal Us Manuel, Manuel. which is a great book on racial reconciliation, racial issues and our, I, speak speak to that tension a little bit like how do we you know we're going to have Todd and Fred on here in just a little bit how do we i don't know how do we navigate this as as you see it
2: well i th- i think in one ways one way the the way that the and i'm not the editor so i can say this one the way that their editor laid out the book i think is a really great help right the the first set of chapters is kind of an invitation to listen right that's mm-hmm. the that's that's how the book starts out it starts out as an invitation to listen we we wrote it Primarily to major, majority culture, the church, the church, majority culture church, right? Um, Do you feel
0: like you wrote it to a certain racial audience or both?
2: Well, I think mostly to the white to white Christians, okay. right? Mostly, though, we had a diverse group of authors, right? So we they had,
0: were racially diverse. Yeah, the authors, yeah.
2: Um, and but our opening chapters were an invitation to listen, and those were all written um, by our minority uh, culture and, and ethnic. Pastors who wrote who contributed to the book, and I think that was a, it's an important thing to 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 highlight is that as we enter into these conversations about race, as we enter into relationships with people that are uh, ethnically and racially and culturally different than us, um, our first our first posture, particularly for those of us who are in the majority culture, needs to be one of listening. Right? <laughs> we need mm-hmm. we need to say I want to hear. Your story, and, I, and and we have to do it in such a way that we give them the freedom to re, to 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 be free enough to realize that we are not going to attack them, right, sure, right for for what they have experienced, what they're sharing. Because I think that's the other thing is that a lot of times those in the minority culture um, will say, "Hey, we want to hear what you have to say," and then as soon as we start to hear something that either we don't like or makes us uncomfortable we want to shut it down, right? Or we want to, you know, come back and be like, well, it's it's not that way. Like, you know, I've, I've got this this friend who's this way, and, you know, we... We, yeah. we, we, right. we, we start,
3: invalidate their experience. We,
2: right, we, we invalidate it. And it doesn't mean that their experience is necessarily... It um, might not even be accurate.
3: Right. But it's the way in which they interpreted it, it at the exactly. time.
2: Exactly. And so so the I think that invitation to listen is, is so important that we need to be willing to listen. And then from there... Um, we need to be willing to, you know, to kind of um, own up to our own yep. issues. Sure, you know, we need to be willing to, uh, uh, you know, uh, own up and say, you know what, I've, you know, I've acted this way or thought this way or have done this in the past that is antithetical to the gospel. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, that is against what God calls me to be uh, mm-hmm. as a as a follower of Christ and and, the, and how I relate to people who are yeah. different than I am or the other. Um, and then from there. You know start to seek you know real change and that's through personal relationships but it's also i think as christians we also have to realize that there are you know um systems in place there are issues within you know institutions that we have to um begin to seek change right, right. That, that's that for you know to seek justice to love mercy, mercy. Um, to, walk to walk humbly with our God, right? Those are the things that should be dear to us. We um, should
1: continue to learn, always. We need absolutely. to be learning through this whole process. Ab- absolutely. And, and walking yeah. with empathy. Right, yeah. My wife works in a nursing home, and she was meeting with an older, elderly lady just a couple weeks ago, and she started sharing with Rochelle, she, there's, in this particular nursing home, the first African-American resident has just been accepted over the last month.
3: Mm. Ever. Wow.
1: And that became a conversation with my wife, and this resident said... Uh, I used to be afraid of black people. Wow. My whole life. She's like, I'm finding out that they're okay.
2: Hmm.
1: Right. And I'm like, she's learning. Hmm. Yeah. Right she's yeah. learning she came from she was obviously taught that as a child. she came from a culture of fear sure. around that area, and mm-hmm. she's learning and being willing to to learn even at the end of her life, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say too that you know as as people who look at the scriptures as our example sure. uh, when it comes to this issue, uh, I think it's imperative that we tackle it well because if if we don't deal with it now, we'll be uncomfortable in heaven because heaven is multi-ethnic. Uh, sure. Heaven says every tribe and every tongue will be there. And, and I, I think it is a disservice to our discipleship and our understanding of God when we don't interact uh, or seek to interact well or humbly with the mosaic that God has created. So I think that this is a great conversation and I hope that all of us are challenged, those who are listening and those who are at this table, to see the importance of... Of really interacting with the mosaic That God has designed Well we're looking
0: forward to this conversation We hope you are too We're going to be joined by Fred Lynch and Todd Dr. Todd Allen here in just a few minutes We're going to take a break We're going to come back Hopefully you are ready for this Hopefully you are ready to dive into this Hopefully you're ready to listen Hopefully you're ready to learn Here on Post-Christian Pastors We'll see you in a moment It
3: starts
0: back here on Post-Christian Pastors. We're glad you've stuck around and uh, we have a great conversation coming up that we're looking for. We've added a couple guests to our conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation before the break, but we've added two great guests. Let me introduce them to you uh, before we go any further. Um, first off, coming at us from Skype, we have Fred Lynch. And Li- and Fred's coming to us all the way from San Diego, California uh, nice. this this afternoon. Fred is uh, he's a great dynamic communicator who's is desirous to take the expressions of this generation and use them to glorify God through relevant, relatable, and radical truths. And he's done this in many ways in his life. And some of you might remember this if you know Christian music. At the age of 18, he founded P.I.D., Preachers in Disguise. Is so that you, a rap group? I it is remember a rap that. group. As a oh, kid,
1: yeah. I used to love it. There you go. Guys. That
0: was Fred Lynch. Fred Lynch started that group. <laughs> there you go. That P-I-D. was my Christian
1: music phase where I threw out all my secular music. It went straight in P.I.D. Well,
0: you're about to meet the man. i got to pull up a song. And so so <laughs> it was one of the first gospel rap acts and went on to record six albums. Yes. Fred, Fred is also the author of The Script, which is an artistic translation of the gospel of John in rap. Uh, he he wrote a ebook called "What's a Faux Sheezy," which I don't know, so I'm going to ask him. I don't know what a faux sheezy <laughs> is, and and the real. And he, and he also wrote a book called the real the New Testament and Bible Bible Zine form. So that is Fred Lynch, and him and I work together at U Specialties, and uh, he's a
4: good buddy. Welcome, Fred. How you doing, Mark? What's up, man? Um, it's good to hear good. from you, man. It's what's up, to- all my posties out there? I hope everybody's doing good. <laughs> what's yeah. a faux sheezy? A oh, foolishy. Well, that you know, you know that book is old. It's already dated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is a for sure statement. Ah, thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: thank you. So and then and uh, joining us along with Fred Lynch is
2: live in studio.
0: Live in studio here with us, what an honor. We have the Dr. Reverend. No, the doctor. Just kidding. <laughs> Not a sorry. It'd be Reverend kidding. Dr. P. We have <laughs> Reverend <laughs> Dr. Sorry. We have the Dr. Todd Allen. He is a professor at Grove City College. He is also a former Geneva professor, which, which him and I met at Geneva way back in the day. Uh, he is a founder of the Returning to the Roots of Civil Rights Tour, which is an amazing tour which takes people through the roots of the Civil War movement. Civil War, did I say Civil War? Civil, Civil yes, Rights. Did. Civil Rights Movement. And, um, and uh, just introduces them to some great people that tell the story. And, and it's an amazing trip. Uh, you were the 2006 Geneva Teacher of the Year. Is that wow. correct Long time ago a Long yeah. time ago And Six. and explain this one to me Because I'm really interested in it You were invited to Yale Right As part of their 2010 Slaves Narrative Seminar
5: Yeah I did a, a fellowship With them uh, For a month As part of the Gilder Lehrman uh, Institute mm. On History and the subject of that particular one was, uh, yeah, slave narratives. Yeah, I read it off of your. I had to. I had to
0: search hard. Fred's bio is easy to find. Yours was harder, but there was an article in the cabinet about you that I found online, and that was part of it. So, welcome, Todd Allen. Good to be Great, here. Right? Good to be here. We're with really excited. We're Good really excited. You're Good with us, be. and uh, Fred, we're really excited. You're with us. So, um, I don't care who goes first. Fred, you could go first. Um, we've just been talking about who, or uh, talking about what is. Uh, It was we look at the racial issues in America and what's going on in America right now and along some racial lines. Just kind of give us a general overall feeling uh, that you have right now or some of the things that you um, talk about on a regular basis and and that you're encountering uh, on a regular basis.
4: Sure, man. One of the things that I'd like to probably uh, uh, sometimes we I think what happens with race in America and what the issues of race, what happens is that we are talking about separate things because we talk about it from separate uh, realities, different ways that we see it. So I come to you with oranges and you're talking about apples and we're not really talking about fruit. We're just talking about how oranges are, <laughs> or how apples are, and we're trying to figure it out. So one of the first things I definitely like to just kind of put out here, uh, and I love it, I'm just starting to read uh, a great new book that I encourage everybody to check out is Tanishi Coates, Between the World and Me. And he's got a really great quote in there where he says, race is the child of racism, not the father. And his whole point is that when we talk about race, we got to realize that that's a social construct of racism. And so race is not just some, you know, arbitrary something that just, you know, well, we don't know how to approach it. Uh, it's it's a real thing, but it's it's the result of a social construct, you know, because we all are human. But we, if we look at it through this sphere that you're different because of this something that's weighed down to the bone marrow of who you are. And if that by any chance sets you apart or distances you or makes you now you're humiliated or reduced from everybody else, that is more of racism. And so when we talk about race in America, I think that we have to understand that. And if we understand that, then it's like, okay, okay, so we're coming from more of a less biblical view of what humanity is really all about.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Cool. Anything else you want to add to that before we let Todd talk?
5: No, I think that was it. I was going to say he tackled it all. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Not only do we have these conversations so often separately, uh, but we tend to only have them in moments of crisis. Mm -hmm. And we know that we tend to not Mm -hmm. think clearly. uh, Right. We're in moments of crisis. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you highlighted the fact that race is indeed just that. It's a myth, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a social construct. I mean, yes, we deal with some of the realities of this myth, but one of our biggest problems in having an honest conversation about race is confronting the fact that it is indeed a myth. Mm. There's genetic variation, uh, but we are more alike. Yeah. Uh, then, then, then we are quite uh, unalike, yeah. uh, if you will.
3: And some someone used to to say that that I, one of my pastors that I highly respect is that it's not a, about race. We're all the human race. It's about ethnic diversity and and, and it's about ethnicity where we come from and the, the you know the different um, constructs of of the cultural backgrounds that we come from. It's not about race, and and that is a, a myth because there are those uh, ethnic differences and the ethnic cultural differences. But we're all the same inequality in that sense.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, the very fact that we we look at the founding uh, of this nation, founded upon that myth Mm -hmm. uh, of race. And I know we're going to go on to talk more about, you know, structurally how this has has played itself out. But until we deal realistically Mm -hmm. uh, with, um, you know, that that idea of race and then, as as Fred said, racism uh, that was... Part and parcel of the founding of this country right. No wonder we keep tripping up uh, Over this issue in 2016 Because mm-hmm. there's a belief
3: mm-hmm. that, that The black community was less than human Right. Right. And so they were a separate right. race. The
5: three fifths
0: compromise. Right.
3: right. Yeah. Right. And the so three
4: fifths compromise. And then adding on to that, it took an entire amendment to the Constitution just to try to change that. Yeah. You know, the 18th Amendment. So there was it's this in in my in my belief, this is a very, very convenient and easy myth to fall into. It's almost like a rut. So we, we've we got to know how to fi- how to build a level of awareness within ourselves to where we when we realize that we are in a rut that is taking us away from being connected, away from thinking alike, hmm. that we say, oh, we're in the rut. Time to pull away from that because we know where that rut will take us. It's taken us around a mountain for 300 years that leads us to a place of disconnection where we don't get as much done as we need
1: to so that's a great point for how do we do that how do we pull out of the rut give me some practical ways that we could pull out of that rut And to todd your your point we we usually identify that we're in there in a moment of crisis when there's something going on in our culture uh that has caused uh, someone to be hurt or angry or frustrated to the point where it's bubbling over H- how do we practically pull out of those ruts
4: To me, one of the most practical ways, and I kind of have to pull into for my theological uh, upbringing background, is I look at the 16th chapter of John, where Jesus would constantly use the word abide, 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 abide in me and I in you, and we become one, we be connected. And I think that there is really a call for us. How do you abide in a practical sense with race? We've got to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, as a professor said just a minute ago, is that when we get in, it's usually that we're bringing this these conversations up when we realize that, man, we're hurting each other. That it's more because we relate to the reality that, man, you know, cops are beating more child more young men and specifically men, but we realize as black men and we all know that there's a problem, but we don't have any kind of way to figure out how to talk about it. So there is a level. If I look at from the theological standpoint of Jesus using the word abide, and he said that because things were about to change within the next 12 hours that will completely change. And so he was like, stick with me. We have to build relationships with each other and stick in those relationships through the tough times so we can be connected and acquainted with each other. Cool Todd, you wanna to add that?
5: Yeah, I mean the you know, the educator in me uh says uh that the two of the keys are education and dialogue. Uh, what is needed You know People ask, often ask me Why do I do the work That I do What is needed Is that we have to have An informed historical perspective yeah. And that informed sto- Historical perspective Has got to take, take us back To the founding Of this very country 1619 Not the founding Of the country But 1619 mm-hmm. The institution uh, Of slavery begins That carries us through To 1865 mm-hmm. Sitting here Doing the Doing a quick math <laughs> That puts us At 246 years uh, That we practiced Racialized oppression uh, mm-hmm. In the form of of slavery We get a little brief window of reconstruction, about 12 years or so, give or take. And then what do we do in the late 1870s, but go right back to Jim Crow racial segregation Mm -hmm. that carries us through uh, the 1960s. In this country, we have spent 300 plus years practicing some form of racialized oppression, exclusion, and discrimination, Mm -hmm. and only about 60 years of really trying to live up to the ideals of freedom, justice, and equality. And we wonder what's wrong. If you practice something (laughs) for 300 something years, you get Pretty darn good at it And it takes more than 60 years uh, yeah. To undo it Right, and that's and only 60 We
0: talked about this before you came on That's only 60 years of it being l- Legally, legally talked about well, But only right. that doesn't mean it just ended 60 Kansas. years Oh, correct Oh, yeah right. That no, was just 60 no. years when the yeah. law I mean,
2: We're only 50 years from oh. Selma, right? Correct
0: Let me ask you So we had this conversation along Along these lines So uh, you, did, you actually Showed that to me A couple months ago When we we had lunch And we talked about And I really appreciate that Because it helped me Get perspective On the timing And the amount of time We asked the question Before the two of you Came on And said Okay That's true Okay We understand that We I get that That's that's incredibly true it, It's it's a sad part of our history What's, what's true? What you said the, okay. the, the, the Institutional racism Institutional racism The history
3: and, and the the question we have This had, is
1: primarily for the African American community We're not talking about the Native American community And other racial groups oh, That yeah, have been discriminated yeah, against Ten, as well. Before
3: you jump into that I want to I want to hit a subject on this That I think is imperative To this part of the conversation About the racialized society uh, You know, we, we talked earlier About the idea of white privilege And, and I think I think that the, uh, the narrative of slavery barely touches the conscience of a white person, but it is the narrative of the black community. Uh, not just slavery, but also the, the the racialized society of segregation. It's it's part of the part and parcel for the baggage and pain that comes with the black community. But you know, I talk to uh, you know a white person today and say, you know, what about slavery? Oh, that was forever ago. It doesn't. <laughs> what we? I'm not doing that. Blah, blah, blah. But but the reality is, is that still part of the pain of the black community. How can uh, how can a white person? best help the, the the cognitive understanding of that, to, to be sensitive to that, um, and, and also kind of join into the, the narrative of pain so that we can be, as Fred said, abiding together. Because I think that part of abiding together is understanding each other's pain and each other's... Um, connection to this right. racialized jesus idea. said
5: mourn with those who mourn right you know, <laughs> right <laughs> well i i honestly I, th- I think you all just answered your own question right there uh in terms of you know that call uh to mourn uh with our brothers and sisters in christ and so part of it is this seeing us uh, you know an individual, not as the other, but as my sister, brother in mm-hmm. Christ, and so that their pain becomes uh, becomes your pain, your pain as yeah. well. You know, Sung Chan Ra has a great book out now on that very concept of mm. prophetic lament. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, of how we you know we talk about healing. Uh, as a country And healing As a people We've got to be able To feel those pains Of others I know often When it comes to The uh, institution Of slavery uh, Some uh, uh, whites I've heard Say well why don't You all just Get over it mm-hmm. And so I go back To them and say What's the it That we need To get over <laughs> yeah. And often They don't know What that it yeah. is And I was yeah. like And I also You know I don't Hear you telling Jews when they Talk about the Holocaust Get over it Right yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. um, you know So it's being Dismissive of 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 That pain Right uh, Because they don't Want to confront the That in they themselves want to Confront but,
1: it but yeah. but Parallel to this, guys, there's also an area of personal responsibility. And the destruction of the family unit within the African-American community is statistically much higher than in the Caucasian community in America. I'm looking at data from the 2010 and 2012 census where 48.5% of African-American kids are raised by a single mother only versus 18.3% of Caucasian kids. 70% of African-American kids, according to the 2012 census, are born Uh, Out of wedlock How does the destruction of the family Unit play into the role Of the African community African American community and also this This kind of cycle of not breaking Free or breaking through
5: well again I I Don't think it's just a matter uh, and this this is not My area of expertise but I'm a professor so I'll speak on it (laughs) sure Uh, You're just like a pastor
1: (laughs) Because understanding is one of it and I think at this table we understand The systems of that have Caused racism have held cultures down But there's also personal Responsibility as well for us to To advance ourselves well
5: I think there's A personal responsibility for, for many things And and, and, and again as you look at the History I know we're not talking exclusively here About the African American experience uh, But it's been a story of, of Personal responsibility I mean Uh, But also I tell people When we talk about Personal responsibility We have a personal responsibility Not just for ourselves And not just for our families But we have a personal responsibility To take on structures That oppress others as well Um, It's important You know I'm aware of of Some of the statistics uh, You know That are out there But I'm also aware When I look out The window on my block That's not my son's reality Mm. Uh, But Mm. the white kid next door That's his reality Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I learned Not to see people On the basis of And I'm not saying This is what you were doing but I, I don't see people on the basis of well this uh, study told me that this percentage of these kids come from this and broken in that i mean society's messed up period i don't care if you're black white latino asian right Uh, we're living in some messed up times Mm -hmm. um but that being said i mean i don't think that 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 idea of personal responsibility has ever been abandoned Mm -hmm. but personal responsibility goes along with uh, accountability for myself as an individual but also personal responsibility to take on those structures uh, that keep people (laughs) locked in locked down locked out Mm. yeah fred you want to add to that
4: well, what's the I, I, I love the whole direction of the, the, the conversation is going in, Uh, you know, kind of a one of biblical story that really, really kind of I love the whole story of Ezekiel. Right when he before he ever gets the whole calling of the quote watchman on the wall, there's this cool story where there were some refugees that he was sent to and he really didn't want to go to him. I mean, they were refugees. They were in a bad, bad place. And the Bible says that like he went, but he really didn't want to go and the Bible says that he got there and he sat among them seven days not saying a word before he came with preaching and his prophecies and his what you should do and all of that he had to sit among them and I think that's such a good narrative that sometimes we have to come and listen and sit among to where we could really uh, g- kind of almost cleanse ourselves of what I like to call sitcom truths. Hmm. Sitcom truths are just quick bumper stickers like answers that you could say, well, why don't you just do this? Or why don't you just do that? Um, Another idea also is I love the whole idea of Hebrews four, when it talks about Christ as our high priest. And it says that we don't have a high priest who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmity. You know, often it's not the infirmity, but it's the feelings of the infirmity that kills you more than the, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not death. You only die once. (laughs) <laughs> but you, you go through the fear of death over and over and over again. Right. And in the same sense, often it's not the plague of the poor, but it's the emotional entanglement, the entanglement of poverty that keeps a person down. So yeah. a, a person that doesn't understand what that feels like, the emotional entanglement of it, they say, well, why don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just get over it? And and what I love so much about the, the, the narrative, cri- narrative of Christ is that he understands the trauma of whatever our situation that sin bought us into. And it's not necessarily just my own sin. But it's the systematic mm. problem of sin. He yeah. understands the pra- trauma and he knows how to get us out. Yeah.
2: Hey, Fred, this is John Price. Um, going back to your statement about, you know, that we need to abide with each other. I think that's that resonates with a lot of people. Um, and I think that, you know, and speaking for, I think, you know, white Christians I'll speak from that perspective, I think there's a sense of oh yeah yeah okay I, we need to have we need to have relationships with people okay I get it I get it you know that you know I mean I think it's Smith and Emerson and Divide by Faith say you know that um, that the um, promise keepers movement kind of really pushed this relational connection of mm-hmm. of men across racial lines and things like that. But that's where it stopped. Like there was no, there was no additional steps. And I think for, especially I think for, um, for white believers uh, in particular, I think that that's that relationship thing may be a little bit scary or something. But they get that. Like I, okay, I, I need to have different. I need to have maybe some friends. I need to reach out to people who are different than me. But. You know that if you, I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, uh, Doctor Perkins' three R's, right? That's only one of the <laughs> yeah. R's, right? Oh, I love that. Um, Right. And you know, I, I don't think you know white Christians in particular what are, want, what are the want three to do R's? the want to what do are, the other two R's. What are the three? Well, three R's are uh, reconciliation, reconciliation, relocation, relocation and, and, and redistribution. Yep. Yeah. Redistribution, yeah. right? Um, can you can you speak to a little bit of that? I mean, I think because I think the that abiding and that for, that reconciliation part i think any any christian is going to say oh, all right i get it
4: okay i, I, <laughs> I don't know about any well, well that's uh, true sure.
2: <laughs> any 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 good christian <laughs> you
4: i'm going to thank say, you john let me let me say this with the promise keepers uh, cuz i i remember uh, especially <laughs> i'm old okay i'm i'm 49 <laughs> this year mm. and <laughs> so i remember when i started a rap group back in the 80s and i remember the promise keepers movement coming along and all of a sudden all these white folks wanted to take me to lunch
5: <laughs> uh, that's oh, fine do
4: some lunch <laughs>
5: we we ate well then, didn't we, brother <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't I don't mean this in a bad way it's it, and sure. this is all, it's all about practice is what it's about yeah because what happened is I got two or three invites to lunch and then that was it yeah. but the <laughs> truth of matters that it wasn't an abiding mm, practice bro. it was a okay. buy and visit
5: practice oh, yeah oh, it wasn't yeah. about lunch and, it and should so be about living it's
4: life. back to okay we've got to abide mm. now let me flip it and tell you this way for example I'll tell you like Uh, Oprah, Oprah's uh, mother told her, her parents, I think it was her mother told this. She said, now, Oprah, all white folks ain't bad. Make sure you find you some good white folks to hang out with. Now, we joke with that. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is that I have to, in order to survive in the world that I live in, I have to know me some good white folks. Mm,
3: mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Now, yeah. and
4: that—that that, whole bunch of white people that yeah. have to know them, mm-hmm, some good Latinos right. and good mm-hmm. blacks, so, uh, and know, that's
3: part of white that, privilege, in in my opinion. Yes, I mean, and and yes. I think that you know, Fred, to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to, to right. interrupt you in that, but I I think You're it's fine. important that that we need to recognize that spiritually, mm-hmm. we actually do need people of, of, of different ethnicities mm-hmm. in our lives. One of the things I've discovered, you know, living in the city, I have, a, I have a lot of, uh, you know, different ethnicities that I interact with all the time, both on my street, in my church. One of the things I found out is that there are different facets of God that the different ethnicities bring mm-hmm. that I would have completely missed from my own direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so looking at God in a different way, I found out that God has so <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm honest. Like, I mean, when, when I when I was growing up in a white church, let me tell you, when I when I was growing up in a white church, people felt guilty about clapping. And then when I went to my inner city church, man, there's this one lady. Her name was Debbie Brown. She is so beautiful. God saved her out of prostitution. This woman would dance with flags at the front. And I was like what is what is going on and, and, yes. and I began to to believe that I could cut a step for Jesus too, <laughs> because it's true, and that was a different facet of God that that was so beautiful for me so I mean i, I you say you you need it, and in societal terms you would say you need that. Mm. I would say in spiritual terms, we all need it." Mm.
4: I concur. In fact, I, I would say and take it as far as this is that what you're talking about was what Dr. King was talking about 60 years ago. His whole move into the community of the beloved was we have to discover. To discover is to uncover what's already there. You know, we used to always joke about white kids and say that white boys don't know how to clap and that <laughs> it's white true. boys ain't got no soul. bro. I mean, look at him M&M. and them. Look at this. You have it. You just weren't magnified. You weren't concentrating on it, and it wasn't important for you to, for survival.
3: We were taught the offbeat. Y'all were taught the onbeat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, okay. so, so true. So true. So, so, so and, let me.
4: So It's a matter of discovery mm. and where we discover each other. And what King was calling us to was a discovery of God mm-hmm. and a discovery of spiritual awareness that we all are connected. In the beloved One community. The, right? Uh, Einstein said it, the greatest illusion is that we are disconnected. That's one of the greatest persisting illusions that we have to deal with on a constant. And I think that the kingdom of God calls us to break that illusion on a constant daily Mm -hmm. practice to say, no, we are all connected. And there is, I must be connected with people that are are, are different from me. And isn't, Mm -hmm.
2: isn't in the Bible the vision of Shalom is the wealth of nations, being brought to the king, right? Mm-hmm. It's the wealth, it's the, it's the things that, that the creative diversity of God brings into the kingdom that makes it so beautiful and so fully what it's meant to be. And so, you know, we do, we, ha- we, need, we need one another, we, ha- we need that unity, we need that ability to to learn from one another, to share with one another, to grow with one another.
5: Fred, you, you, hit it, you hit it right on uh, on the head. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, to, to paraphrase Dr. King, you know, we fear each other because we don't know each other. Mm. We don't know each right. other because uh, we don't communicate. And we don't communicate because we're separate. Uh, mm. We live these separate lives. Uh, and back to how we started this conversation, because we bought into uh, many lies about one another, beginning with that lie of race, mm
1: so great great point pointing out the problem gentlemen i think we've addressed this issue and that we need to form relationships but i think great relationships are formed over like a common task think about athletic teams you're a part of or any other symphony that you're a part of where you're working together how can we work on this how can we get better what's 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 deeper practical steps that the average person listening can do
5: want to go to lunch for it yeah. Uh, I mean Yeah I mean, there is this, no, I'm, gonna,
0: I'm gonna take you to lunch I'm
5: gonna take, I'm gonna take Fred and no, Todd to lunch no,
0: but, but is that you know, enough Is it enough Is that enough It seems no. so
1: surface Just no. To, no. Say, okay, no, no to say okay I'm gonna take no, My friend who's black out To no, lunch And then all of a sudden it It's not. gonna be good That's not. not good That's no, not enough not And
4: I would say this Just like any other body Like like, how many of you guys, how many of us all have seen uh, a major diet on TV or a workout regiment that we like? They we bought into what they were selling us? <laughs> if you just do this, then you'll have the body you always wanted. Mm, and health I, writer. Like, I remember Atkins. buying ta- Tybo, <laughs> and, and Tybo and putting the tape in and getting some popcorn and watching him do what he did <laughs> and thinking, if I just do that, and I tried it once. <laughs> and and my entire body knew it's not gonna be enough just to do this once. <laughs> this has to become a practice. Yeah. I'm saying that analogy to say this. I think that it's we did a big thing whole in the African American thing <laughs> and and we realize you realized it, we realized it, it's not gonna be solved in one lunch. It's probably gonna be solved over a matter of 5 t- five, ten years of real connection, yeah. real life doing life together. So if it comes down to it, it's do life together. Which, in my opinion, really is the the blueprint of what church is really yeah. all about. I go to meetings together, do life together, and find areas that we are intricately connected, that we do need each other. There are things in my life now that before I take a step, I have other people that I say, I'm going to run this by so-and-so. Hmm. I, I just want to hear their thought. Now, that's they are now a part of my life. I don't yeah. make moves. Without them, and it's like find people like that, and within that you find greater levels of who and what God is.
3: And I, I've been blessed by that, Fred. I had a uh, it was it was interesting. My dad got ordained uh, with a with an African American man named Calvin Walker, and uh, I was like three or four years old, and and I saw him up there. I'd never seen a black man in my life that I could remember at that point. And I said, Dad, why is that man chocolate? Um, and it was a great but- it was a great introduction to understanding differences. And Calvin Walker is actually one of my Mentors now today He's probably the first person I go to that I ask for direction, I say, "Here's what I feel God is saying to me," and, and it's that life on life, like mm. He He chose to invest in me, mm. uh, which was a huge blessing in, in my life. And, and I think to the to the question, what Mike asks, how can we how can we do that together? How can we live and abide together? I like your uh, your statement about being church, and I think uh, Jeremiah twenty nine seven gives a great a great scripture of what that could look like. It says, "But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on." On its behalf or in its welfare you will find your welfare. And why I think that's an important task is because all of us who believe in Christ, we're in exile. This isn't our home. But we're meant to to abide here together and seek the good of the city. And we could do that together. Um, You know, as the church, as brothers and sisters, coming alongside one another to seek the welfare of the cities that we're in, to seek the welfare of of the country that we're in, together, locked arms uh, together going after these issues. Rather than skirting through them, uh, avoiding them, or being on separate sides of them, we come together, we hear each other's narratives, we connect our narratives together as brothers and sisters and seek the welfare of the city when when it pertains to all issues, but particularly this one.
5: I, you know, I, I I do appreciate that question. Uh, I don't have. You know do these ten things and and it you know we'll all be reconciled right. but but you one of the rich but one, one yeah. of the things I think you hit this on the head too though. one of the things that's so frustrating is uh, I often see the world getting it better mm. uh, and getting it uh, more correctly uh, than those of us who claim the name of Christ mm. you mentioned for example athletic teams now it's not always gone right. you know smoothly when we've tried to racially integrate <laughs> mm-hmm. teams uh, but anybody who watched uh, the World Series last night we're not talking, uh, <laughs> we're not talking about that. I'm an Indian but, fan but, but, but saw a coming together of people there who had a common sure. mission right. Right. Uh, sure. to, win, to win a ball game to win a series mm-hmm. uh, we've got that common mission as well to advance the kingdom uh, of God right. um, I love my go to passage of scripture is Micah 6 eight. what does the Lord mm-hmm. require of you mm-hmm. but to do justice love mercy mm-hmm. walk humbly mm-hmm. with God so when I think about what like, does it mean to live reconciled lives with one another to do justice And when I see injustice To call it out To call it out And don't be afraid to call it out Mm -hmm. To walk humbly Right. To walk humbly Walk in humility I used to think There was a time That if I You know Just said Just the right thing Or, or showed just the right video That I could You know Lead people down This grand journey Of reconciliation It's not about me mm-hmm. uh, It's about It's about the God That I, that I mm-hmm. claim to follow yeah. and, and, and loving people Having a genuine love mm-hmm. uh, for, for others uh, I mean There are things That people do That I don't like mm-hmm. But I'm I so thankful That God calls me Not to like people But he calls me to love
0: yeah, good. Now let me ask you guys. So, let me ask you. These are kind of maybe a couple two nitty gritty questions because I think these are either terms or things that people see in the media that they wonder about or they they immediately have a huge opinion about when they see it. I'd love to get your input on it. Um, this is uh, this is an obvious one is the whole black lives matter movement okay or whatever and i'm if i'm not using the right terms that's fine but but what what is your take and 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 maybe you can help us sort through this because you know a lot of people only know what they see on the media and that's what they uh, they go for immediately so what is your guys take on that whole thing whatever you want however you want to you know, cl- Clarify it um, What was good What was bad Yeah what was good what What's was bad true, what, what was And then also like We've talked about This white privilege We talked about it Before you came on There's a lot of White people Who will shut down When they immediately Hear that term They won't listen They won't sit As we've talked about Sit and listen To each other's story Because they Either have a visceral A visceral reaction To that or they think, well no, I work really hard to get where i 'm at it 's a
2: liberal agenda yeah it 's a liberal <laughs> agenda, whatever it is
0: so so we, we, I, I know white people who will totally shut down when they hear that term. Is that the best term so those kind of two things, like if you could speak into those two things to a, to a normal person like a typical person listening to this podcast going that 's what I hear about it 's not obviously not the whole issue. But those are just two things that they hear about a lot. What would you say to them? What, what would you what would you say about those things? What would you say to them, Fred? You want to start?
4: Sure. Thank you. Uh, good. Good questions. First of all, uh, one of the things that I see in the Black Lives Matter movement is I see that they are uh, young and uh, hopeful to pick up a super super noble cause and they have a heart to bring about change in the way that they can in their language, in their generation. And so with that being the case, the worst thing that we could do is being the previous generation, uh, kind of shun them to resist them. I would say, I think, that we have to pull in and embrace and listen to them Because the more that, if I'm upset, the more I'm listened to, then I'm an intelligent being. (laughs) Then I realize, okay, I can lower my voice because I'm finally being listened to. But yet, if I recognize there's there so many signals that are showing me that I'm not being listened to, then I'm going to find new ways to get listened to. Yeah, and I okay. think that's what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. Is so it, it, it's a matter of embracing and pulling in and say, let's talk, let's listen, and let's see what changes. That's what I believe.
5: Okay. I was going to say, as I think about uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, and I know same thing when I talk about the, the civil rights movement, sometimes incorrectly, I say movement uh, when really it's movements. movements. Um, yeah. And, you know, we make it kind of too simplistic sometimes when we want to put just one narrative on right. what we think it is. I, all, other thing I say is Black Lives Matter is not new. Hashtags are new Social media (laughs) is new Uh, But our experience in terms of trying to give voice to pain And dehumanization That's not new uh, in, In this day and age I know uh, a lot of people are are critical uh, Many people are critical of that Movement uh, in the moment and they Say I wish it was like the movement in the 50s and 60s as though everybody loved King and loved what was done in the 50s And 60s and (laughs) so one time I actually walked into A class and I put a a survey on the Board of these you know results of what people thought Of this movement for social change and How uh, it's violent and it promotes Violence and it's it's too aggressive and And uh, you know it's disruptive and blah, Blah 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 and I said what movement do you think they're Talking about And of course all my students said Black Lives Matter I said no. They're talking about that movement of the fifties and sixties called the Civil Rights Movement that, that you all you know yeah. think was so great. And why can't we get back? Thank to that? you, Professor. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I tell people too. You know, when I talk about this informed historical perspective, and I mean this in the most kindest of ways, one of our problems is we're just so ignorant mm-hmm. of one another's stories, yep. and we don't want to take the time to know one another's right. Right. stories. Right? You cannot understand Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, if you don't know who Emmett Till is. Mm. You right. can't. You can't. And we've got to know who Emmett Till is, and we got to know. And he was not uh, a running back for Denver Broncos. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we, and no, got I to know, know we who got, Emmett got, Till, and Till was. We got to know all so know those countless others Joe. whose whose names, right. you know, didn't have a hashtag because we didn't have those fifty and sixty years, ago. right?
3: Yeah. Well, and I think, too, you know, I, I, on the University of Pittsburgh's campus, which is a very white campus, uh, it, it's difficult for black students to be there. In fact, you know, a lot of the faculty uh, that are Caucasian are taking sides on this issue in class, uh, calling the, the Black Lives Movement just a, a crass, um, you know, very violent movement. And you know black lives matter has been on pitt's campus, and it 's never been violent yeah i mean it 's been a beautiful display i actually I actually joined one of them because they had a uh, what, what it was a ten minute silent lay down to to uh to imitate what happened to the dead young black man that happened <laughs> and, and so it was this point of saying to the university right out in front of uh, one of the main dormitories, saying, "This is what happens when you mm. listen and, and it wasn 't loud it wasn 't ridiculous. But people were able to hear and say, like, here's the pain. And the problem is, because we see it happening, many white people will shut down and not listen to the narrative.
5: Well, I, I, I had a dialogue with one of my, uh, one of my good friends who, who happens to be white uh, not too long ago, and it was their birthday. And so, you know, in this day and age, you know, Facebook reminds us it's somebody's birthday, mm-hmm. so you tell them happy birthday, mm-hmm. even if you haven't talked to them in 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, yes, you, better, so, you better and, say happy birthday. And so I, I went to her page. You know as as you know she's getting all these birthday greetings, and I said it's other people's birthdays too and she responded back to me huh i said it's other people's birthdays too." <laughs> And she goes I said remember that conversation We were having about Black Lives Matter I said and you kind of Countered with all lives matter I said how does it feel For me to say Well your birthday's Really not
3: no, Birthdays too
5: That's good. And she goes
3: wow. Oh Oh yeah That's, that's what we're good. saying No one ever said
5: That other lives Didn't matter Right Right right. No right. one ever said that no. But that the, That was a narrative That people wanted yep. to run with Oh see now say yeah. any better
0: on, to be Speak wise. to the Speak to the Speak to the other, the second part of my question, which was the, the words, white privilege, or the whole idea. How do we? How do you keep, how do you help white people not just shut down when you start to talk about these things? We start to talk about you've been privileged by the system well, since think, you were...
4: Can, can I say uh, this? Yeah. First of all, one thing that we have to be careful of, and I appreciate your question, and I think that what you're doing is asking the question that... That only you can answer Okay Uh, For for me as a man of color To come in And try to teach you how not To be oversensitive How not to overreact To something that You're caught up in doing To harm me (laughs) Is asinine (laughs) Right (laughs) You gotta figure it out And I think that what's happening Like th- this was was what gives me hope But we Maybe figure it out sound...
0: together that's what we've said though. Yeah, we yeah. see figure that's that out the too. thing
4: What gives me hope and I hope this doesn't sound too Woo woo or too spiritual or whatever right. But I think what's really really Happening in, the, in the, the Human psyche What's really really happening as a matter Of the kingdom of God like Not giving up on us Is that there is an awakening Happening specifically I see it in in your generation. I've talked to more young white guys and older white guys and girls that just say, you know, this is just some old bull. <laughs> you know, what's really <laughs> going on with our people? And it's almost like a body that's recognizing the pain in its knee. Or recognizing the pain in its shoulder and saying this can't go on. There must be a remedy. I was just uh, at uh, Propaganda's and um, um, uh, Shoba Rocks. They're starting this new tour where they just call it a conversation about race, and they go to different churches. And so they did their first debut here in San Diego, and it was brilliant. It was a uh, uh, painful at some sometimes and harsh and you know and all that, but it was all done with love and afterwards i went to him and i said this i said uh you know prop and i've been knowing prop since he was a jason petty so i was like prop man thank you for saying things that 20 years ago i could not even fix my mind to say
5: mm-hmm.
4: i couldn't even get my it was all true it was true 20 years ago right but yeah. we just were not at that place what i say that to say this This generation, this podcast, people like this, these conversations are being raised everywhere because I think the spirit of God is doing something so that our kids will not have to get back into this rut and do the same thing. So, yeah, you got to figure it out. The best thing that I can tell you is, yeah, now that don't hurt no more because I'm the knee that's hurting. (laughs) I'm the shoulder that's hurting. You're the other shoulder. You're the body. We're, We're one body. So, does that answer the question?
3: Yeah, that helps. Yeah, I I already told him the uh, the piece about we, we we as white folks, we need to address <laughs> white privilege. He didn't want to listen to me. <laughs>
1: that's not <laughs> true. Well, I'm I think true. that's a hard <laughs> issue because if you don't understand the story, like if I don't understand your story, right. then I can't understand my privilege. Right. And right. like the best I was sharing with these guys, I used to be a chaplain for a Division 1 football team and I was walking with a group of African Americans across the city. And a cop pulled up in front of us. This has never happened to me as a white man. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Pulled out in front of us and said, lights on. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and, and, and he,
5: and he started, <laughs> he got
1: very aggressive. Yep. He demanded all of our IDs. He made us all sit down on the ground. And I'm trying to explain to him, no, no, I'm, I'm Pastor Mike. I work at the church right across. He did not care. And I'm like, I'm these are all guys that we did we're walking from Bible study officer and he's like, I don't care. And now no one was beaten up, no one was hurt. I felt small. I felt right. little. I was angry. I looked at a couple of my guys and went, Wait, wait, that's that sucked. I go, That's not fair. And one of the guys looked at me and he goes, Like, you don't know. And he was like, I've been trying to tell you. He kept yelling. I've been trying he was angry i was angry and the person gave us our our license back and said go home get off the street i'm like well, what what do you mean get off the street i'm i'm allowed to stand on the street right here if i want to stand on the street i can stand on the street that's pretty like, yep, much yep. and he yep. was like get out of here well there was injustice that happened that yeah, day yeah and i understood a small small piece of it yeah. because i was because I was in relationship with yeah. them, and because I All happened right. to be there in that moment with them, and so that helped me understand maybe the pain at a different level. Now I could not understand my privilege mm. until that moment, right? Because I'd never believe that even happened today,
5: right? Yeah, yeah. right. No, and I, 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 I'm so glad to hear what you said at the beginning there, Fred. Because honestly, I, I find in my experience often while I talk about the concept of, of privilege and, and benefit, because if somebody's excluded, then somebody's getting included uh, for right. some other reason. Right. But I do, I tend to leave the, the conversations about what do we do with white privilege? I leave that to white folk to talk with each other about. <laughs> right. uh, but you're absolutely right, though. You've got to have, you know, those relationships kind of understand, because I think sometimes we think of privilege is in, in these big, large, grand terms, you know, mm-hmm. often monetary. And, that, and so if we if we don't, See these big things think, Well I'm, I'm not privileged The mm-hmm. fact that You could walk down the street Unmolested by, Never by, in my by, life Never That's in my life Never, by happened. By never happened And I and, was like whoa And, and you really think That they're always there To protect and serve There's right. a privilege right. That not Because some they've other been commissioned
4: don't have. By the government To yeah. do just that And, it, and, and we're like you know, You're commissioned By the government To harass me?
3: Yeah And
1: right. so like When right. the incidents happen This summer policing. Like this summer We see some well. incidents happen I have a new lens To look at them And right. I'm like Oh yeah, <laughs> Maybe uh, Oh you right. know? And that's yeah. But I never I could not You couldn't tell me to see it oh, Through yeah. that lens Until I experienced it There's no way I yeah, could I mean, even comprehend What happened It was another planet and, it's, and it's, it's It was same, a whole it's, other planet
5: it's, it's a similar way When my sisters in Christ talk to me about sexism hmm. They're like, you know, I I know, they'll tell me, they say, I know exactly what sexism is and what it looks like. But when the, when, when the light has come on for me, I remember being in a meeting one time, uh, about a dozen of us in there, and it was one woman, and she was seated at the far end of the table, and the man who was heading the meeting says, we need somebody to take minutes, and he took his legal pad and slid it all the way down <laughs> to the table <laughs> to the woman that was sitting there. And she was about to take notes, and I looked at her, and I, I motioned for her to slide the pad back up to me, and she slid it up, and I looked at him, and I said, now, if you think that the woman... And the one person of color you got in here about to take minutes, you're crazy. There's some capable <laughs> men sitting right around you who can do this. But for other men who were sitting there, if you to tell them that sexism, that there's a privilege to being male, yeah. they would have no. Yeah. But in that moment, unless we remain quiet. It it, it can get perpetuated,
3: and and to that point too. Like I mean, what Mike was saying. I guess I come from a different place because I grew up in the inner city. I went to inner city middle school, inner city high school, and, and as I got older, I was able to reflect back and see my white privilege growing up in that. You know, where I was encouraged in my academia, and the young black man who was smarter than me was not. Mm. Uh, and, and that was just a small example of that. So, I, you know, I, I, was, I was razzing on Mike uh, earlier, you know, about his misunderstanding or lack of understanding of white privilege. And, and I look at it because my experience is different. And so I'm able to see the narrative up close. And so I've interacted with it. Um, And that's why I think, you know, what I said earlier in the podcast in the beginning is that as white folks, if we're going to talk about white privilege, we need to leverage our white privilege to talk about it. To understand
1: it is great, but that solves nothing. (laughs) It (laughs) does nothing. So you preach it all the time, Marvin. So you see bright white privilege. I'm like, so, yeah, I understand it. So what
3: Well and that's why what? I told so you So what Yeah So well, here's I, and, what I and, and said to him And all it does is that. make me feel
1: frustrated yes. And well, guilty yes, For yeah. something I'm like I don't know what to do well, with I, that I, And so I think, I think there's the, so many people that are like that Yeah in this No world. I think I think
5: and, one of the so what's is What do you do next mm-hmm. uh, You know having been You know made aware And cognizant of, of that Right And you know And people have decisions to make If they say Oh well Sucks to be you, <laughs> you know, That's Yeah yeah That's not That's not the response that's not hearing And feeling the pain that's right. not what Jesus uh, would do Of others But Jesus unfortunately That's, to that's to what you. some do um, But the challenge is to I don't say Now you, you know that. what yeah. Now I'm going to go The next step here um, And you know Again I'm not going to get Into the particulars right. Of you know there, But you know, what are the next follow up things I need to do and to the, address right. this issue
3: And that's one of the things I told him in, in Leveraging the white privilege I mean We talked about relocation and redistribution mm-hmm. And I I brought those up to you <coughs> Locate to the city you sure. know you're saying You're stressing out about having to have two Jobs because you live in the suburbs no, well, I'm you saying that's the yeah, but How many right. people are going to do that right, right. But what I'm saying Listen if we're going to leverage our white Privilege and utilize that we need to see the Things that we can do if you're going to ask the so what You better right. it, you better do the so what? Unless and Otherwise, you're just saying, oh, well. right. So my point is relocate or redistribute. Like you and I talked about, and you sure. gave me the email of a guy who is an executive that, that is looking to mentor young black business folks sure. to push them into a different, Make different level. Yes. And so that's my point, is that we can leverage that knowing it's there. Because if we don't know it's there, we're ignorant of the fact that we can do anything.
2: Right. That's one way to redistrib- re- redistribute. Redistri- I, want, I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to just kind of say that yeah, Dr. Perkins isn't talking about like a Marxism type of redistribution. Right. He's talking about using everyone's resources, resources. right? Please. The poor have resources, the you know no doubt. black, white, Asian it, we all have
5: resources to bring to the table, right? And we we redistribute. I was gonna say is how can we use the platforms right. that we've been blessed to be exactly. a part of. Uh, whether that platform is a pulpit or a podcast. Uh, or our professions of, of, of what we do, um, you know, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Right. But how are we using those platforms to make difference right. uh, in the lives of people? That's the definition. Knowing, of, knowing what we that's know. That's a
0: definition of redistribution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's
5: my that's right. your that's my yeah. understanding. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's, and
3: that's leveraging yeah. those spaces. Uh,
0: it, no, that's opening yeah. up doors for other people. That's that's taking what you've been given. I mean, it's really biblical too, right? right? Take <coughs> what you've been given, give it away. Here it is. All is all is yeah. a gift, right?
2: Yeah. All his gifts, gift, sure. right? Yep. It, God gives gifts to all people in different ways in different places, and it's our responsibility to, to steward them well.
0: Right? Yep. yep. Um, well, hey, I w- I really want to thank you guys for this conversation. We could go on for for days, but we want to play a little game with you guys before you go. <laughs> all right? So you good, Fred? You good? all the games All right, you, <laughs> you, know, you for real when you got a game games yes, is fun games. Games, games is fun remember that Fred games, games is fun, fun. <laughs> that was Ephraim games is fun
2: games is fun
0: <laughs> uh, <he> said, <laughs> yeah it's just it's a little inside <laughs> joke with Fred and I uh, so here's the thing we call this game 10 bad questions okay <laughs> So we probably asked a few already, but but in this game, ten bad questions. We, we both can, have to answer these. We can, yeah, you yeah. both have to answer them. We're going to ask you random ten questions, and
3: some of them are really bad yeah. and some almost are, offensive. Just
5: yeah, it, it better not be anything. <laughs> can I cannot touch your hair. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's been listening to the past podcast. Okay, some of these are based around some yeah, things some I know research. about you, Todd. <laughs> he's uh, some other, but so here we go. So Fred, uh, we'll, we'll start with you. This is ten bad questions. You can cue the music. We put it in post production. But here we go, okay. 10 back question. We'll start with Fred and then, and then uh, Todd, you can answer also, OK, so this is a really stupid <laughs> first question. Who let the dogs out? <laughs>
4: Who let the dogs
0: out? Yeah, Fred. Who let the dogs out? You know the song. Who let the dogs out?
4: Yeah. Why are you just, just assume he knows the song? Paid off some, some really whack music. That's who let the dogs out.
0: <laughs> I thought it was Grandma. Just didn't shut the door. Hey, All
5: right, hey, talk, hey who let the hey, who let hey, the dogs out. Hey, Fred. Fred. Culturally, watch me mess with them uh, I'm not so much concerned about who let the dogs out as who left the gate open.
0: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
5: no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lift man. the
0: gate up. In. All right number two.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, Fred, we'll start with,
0: we'll start with Todd on this one. Okay Todd oh, okay. Uh,
2: You're chilling on the beach in San Diego and a sports star sits down next to you with their beach chair. Who would you want
0: it to be? All right. We know Todd Allen loves sports, guys. He's got tons of autographs. Tony
5: Gwynn. Tony, Tony Gwynn. Gwynn. Because I'm always told that I resembled him. Yes. <laughs> a little bit.
3: Can I ask a So you want question? to sit down and talk who's, to him? Who's yes. Tony Gwynn? Oh, oh,
5: he's like one of the greatest hitters of all millennial. time. Is this baseball?
3: Yeah. Yes. Oh, I don't care about baseball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Tony
3: Gwynn? Tony Gwynn.
0: Okay. Todd picked Tony Gwynn. Fred, what about you? Steph Curry oh, Steph Curry See, I know You can ask Steph him Curry. how
1: it
3: felt That LeBron <laughs> stomped on his throat last year What about the year before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You forgot about that one? That, one, that, that one, one was in honor of you uh-huh. Since
1: All your sports
0: guys you there love you so up.
1: much Alright number three Mike Number three I don't know really what this means I didn't write it but uh, Strawberry Pop-Tarts or Brown Sugar? Brown Sugar Pop-Tarts which one? There's, this is two different I types gotta of, pick
5: one of the, I gotta pick Oh, I'm you can pick whatever I'm not a Pop-Tart guy
0: You're not a Pop-Tart I'm guy I'm not a Pop-Tart guy uh, So you say no to the Pop-Tart No Pop-Tart I'm not a
5: Pop-Tart guy either Ooh, <laughs> I'm not a Pop-Tart <laughs> <laughs> little, De- little Debbie snack cake Oh, oh Little Debbie <laughs> I'm trying to
4: get away from sugar man <laughs>
0: So nothing, Fred's going nothing. you going.
4: Fruit. Fred's going kale. I'll do some fruit. Fruit.
0: You're, all, you're almost fifty anyway. You're almost fifty, Fred. So the
3: strawberry. We're going wow. The
0: strawberry. I'm going with strawberry anyway. I like right. brown sugar actually.
3: All right, go ahead. Question number four, Fred. We'll start with you. What is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Oh
4: wow, my favorite
3: quote. Dang. That's Ooh.
4: Mm hmm. Oh, my mom's quote. (laughs) Don't believe the fat meat ain't greasy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't
0: believe the fat meat ain't ain't greasy. He said, like, uh, don't believe
4: uh, fo- the fact. beat ain't greasy. <laughs> <meat is>
0: greasy. <laughs> or faux-sheezy.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. No, the proper, uh, the proper is supposed to be faux-sheezy. That's right, like, faux-sheezy. <laughs> fat meat is freezing for sheezy okay.
5: uh,
4: I thought you were, <laughs> were going
0: to... I thought you were going to say your mom's favorite quote was, get your butt in here, Fred.
3: (laughs) Wowza. All right. Todd, your favorite
5: quote. Man, education is the passport to the future. For tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Malcolm X. Ooh, there we we go. Nice, good quote. Very good quote. All right, Who's, is it my turn? Yeah, it's my
0: turn. All right.
4: come back, clothes, Malcolm X. <laughs> I wasn't going to say nothing. I
5: wasn't going to say it. I was just going to leave it at that. I was uh, be, we oh. all were thinking it. No one was saying it. <laughs> that's because you, you took the best one. I had, I had no comeback for that. Hey, Fred,
0: he's a doctor. He's a doctor. What do you expect? He's got to lay that down. He ain't, ain't got to bust out no. My mama said... <laughs> All right, so uh, Okay number five Uh, We'll start with um, Todd on this one Todd what was the First car you ever bought
5: First car I ever bought Was a Grand Am I cannot remember the year Grand Am Grand Am
0: Pontiac Pontiac Grand Am Am. Sweet (laughs) Fred What about you
5: my first car
4: was a nineteen sixty-nine Dodge Dart. Mm-hmm. I bought it for hundred dollars from my uncle. He promised that he would sell it to me for a hundred if I rebuilt the motor for him. <laughs> I thought I was getting a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I would spend some time with him, and that time was way more worth the car or the hundred dollars. Very good. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, Fred, don't don't believe the greasy mate
3: Don't buy a car. And you, can't, court, you can't say you can't say the word greasy. Sorry. Right, the it's fat greasy. meat ain't greasy. Greasy. Greasy.
2: greasy. greasy. Come Come on greasy. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> All,
0: right. All right, we'll start with uh, this might with be the Fred. best bad ten bad questions we've <laughs> ever done. Sorry. Start with red.
2: Th- uh, number six. Who is who is cooler? Jay Z or Justin Timberlake? J T or Jay Z?
0: Jay Z or J T. Jay Z for sure. Jay Z. Oh, why'd you go with Jay Just because he's married to Beyonce. Justin Timberlake
3: started with the inside. Well, I mean, how That's can... enough to be said.
4: <laughs> so, what do you want? Married to be- Beyonce or pulling off Janet
3: Jackson's. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Super Bowl? <laughs> <Fury>. Edit. edit. <laughs> no, there's no edit for that. That stays in.
5: All right, Todd. Jay Z or JT? White privilege. Why is that even a question? <laughs>
3: Jay- Jay-Z. <laughs> listen, Justin Timberlake got his start on the Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hey, but JT, man. I always like
4: JT.
0: JT, man, on the CMA. The CMA uh, Music Awards. He's kicked in. JT
4: is you- a beast. We cannot deny that. That dude is bad. <laughs> he, right. got, a, he's he bad. got a
5: nice golf course like, in my I mean,
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, That's the funny part about it. Because performance. Because if you ever listen to Jay-Z talk... He is a total nerd. He sounds like the Woody rap Allen of rap to me. Yeah. <laughs> you but he understands street, and so he knows how to give that persona, and he knows how to project the persona. Yep. And with that alone, to me, is cool because I'm a nerd. Uh, and so yeah. I understand <laughs> being a nerd and knowing how to survive in the street. Cool. To me, that makes it cool. Did you? <laughs> All, right,
1: All right, number seven. Number He's seven, up. if you had to watch one romantic comedy, what would you pick? We'll start with Todd. Oh wow! One romantic comedy. Uh,
0: We're going outside your outside your wheelhouse you here. You only
1: get one. You, get the you only we get can. one. We know you've got
0: tons that you love, but but I know it's hard comedy. to whittle it down.
5: Hey, uh, well, okay, I guess I got to go with. He's just not that into you.
0: Oh, <laughs> he's not he's into just you. not that into you. I like it. All right,
4: Fred. What about you? Mine, uh, Adam Sandler first 100
3: dates Oh,
0: first <laughs> uh, 100 dates. Right, I'm right. going with Notting Hill. I love that. Yeah, movie. Notting Hill. That's that was a good one. Good,
3: yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, number eight: NBA, NHL, NFL, NCAA, MLB, or WWE. <laughs> 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 if you
4: had to watch, if you had
0: to watch one, Fred, what are you picking?
4: NFL, <laughs> NFL. Oh, all right. Yeah. Who's your team? Steelers. Oh man, I'm Dallas Dallas Cowboys. Oh,
0: that's okay. right. You're from Dallas. That's not that bad. That's You're Dallas bad. Cowboys. That's my second. You're making it with a rookie quarterback, man.
5: That's right. Rookie quarterback is Zeke the Freak.
0: <laughs> Zeke the Freak. It's
5: Ohio baby, Ohio State. Dad right, is Todd. showing up. I I want to say NBA, but I'm a Laker fan, and we haven't had basketball in the last couple of years. (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and say NFL. All right. NFL wins on that one. Who's your team? The Steelers, baby. Steelers. All right. right.
0: Number nine. Number nine. We'll start with Fred since this is up your way. Were you down with the D.C. talk? When was I down with the D.C. talk? (laughs) (laughs) Were you? Were
4: you you down with the D.C. talk? Was I down? I was down with oh, oh, yeah, them. They're all my friends. They're all good no, people, man. They're good. They're you good know people. all those guys. Yeah, I know them. Been knowing them well since we all, st- we all started out the same time. They got their album out before we got it out. And I'll never forget, I re- remember k- bringing uh, their album to one of the members of our group, our rap group. And this kid, he was a lot more street than I was. And I was like, bro, somebody just got out. And he listened to it, and he was like... They out yet. They ain't even rapping. Who's your
0: favorite one, Kevin, Toby, or Michael?
4: Oh, Toby for sure. Yeah, man. Toby.
0: I got to hang out with Kevin one night in Atlanta getting donuts together. <laughs> that's a whole other
5: story. All right.
1: Todd. Yeah, how it was. <laughs>
5: Todd, what about you? Man, even though I attended a Christian college in the 80s, never now. Nah. You were not down. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Nah. Yeah, the
0: the you know that website, the Babylon Bee, you ever heard of them? No. They did a they did a thing about how they do these fake news stories and they said after 30 years or whatever, 25 years, DC Talk apologizes for them for the album New Thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number
0: number 10. 10. We might already
2: know this, but go ahead. Who were you rooting for in the World Series?
5: Cubs or Indians?
2: Cubs oh. or Indians? Pirates weren't a choice,
0: huh? Yeah. No.
5: <laughs> I was actually rooting for the Cubs. Being a Pittsburgher, I can't pull for anything Cleveland.
3: <laughs> oh, he's, sitting right ne- he's sitting right next to Mike, right dude. Next to the Cleveland guy. <laughs> he has his Cavs shirt on. Uh, Undefeated Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> I've already turned the
1: page. I've turned the page. I feel like uh, you wear that uh, every I about Fred? What about,
0: what about <laughs> you, Fred?
4: <laughs> I was, I was rooting for the Cubs as well, oh, man. Whoa, did it last whoa. night, right there in the world's series I was sitting we were Ephraim, my man Ephraim Smith and I we were both at a sports bar watching the world series hanging out And it was a dude right next to me, rooting for the Indians. And his heart was broken Uh, as the (laughs) cut wanted in. Mm.
0: I hope you abided with him. I hope you. (laughs) There better
2: better (laughs) be some (laughs) abiding. Did you invite the other
4: in? Did you invite
0: the other in? Hey, well, we're going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for being here, Todd. Thank you for coming in. Fred, thank you you for joining us from San Diego.
4: Loved having you guys. To everybody out there. All right. Thank you all right us. take yeah, care thank you take fred. care
0: all right everybody thanks for listening to post christian pastors if you want to find us you can find us on facebook at postchristianpastors.com. there went fred uh we would love to we'd love to have you uh check out our facebook page leave a comment uh if you want to comment on this episode at all or whatever thanks for being with us guys it's time to say goodbye and todd's with us so he can say goodbye too so yeah so yeah. marv we're Peace out thank you, you out.
3: guys
5: todd hey awesome to be here and uh and uh just keep doing what you're doing, guys.
1: Thank you. Have a good night, guys.
5: Uh, John, sign out. Just real quick, I think uh, I'd be
2: I uh, need to just mention that if if you're interested in digging more deeply into this conversation, uh, check out the book Heal Us Emmanuel. Yeah. Um, I am a contributing author, author, but there are so many other so many other authors in there that uh, really help. I think in this conversation, I think it really would be a great resource. You can find that on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, all proceeds go to uh, helping build minority leadership in the church. So. Very cool.
0: And, Todd, I forgot to say this. Where would they find information on the Civil Rights Store?
5: Uh, again, they can hit me up on, uh, on Facebook. Okay, Todd, that's uh, Todd,
0: Todd Allen. Todd Allen yep. on Facebook. Yep. You can find out information on an amazing Civil Rights Store that Todd leads uh, every, every, every every year, every June. Every June. And um, also for Fred Lynch, if you can find him, he's got books on Amazon. You can find him on his Facebook. Uh, Uh, Google him, you'll find out his webpage and all that stuff. He also works for uh, Rachel's Promise, which is, um, he speaks for them. If you remember, that was Rachel Scott who was killed at Columbine. Um, He goes around and does school assemblies to talk about bullying, things like that. So Fred Lynch does that. So check it all out. Check these guys out. They're awesome. Thank you guys again for being here. And we're out here on Post-Christian Pastors.